Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Hi, welcome to today's episode of The Things Nobody Tells You. It's still me, still Lily. Let's do this. You guys, Um, I'm going to just be quite frank with everyone. It's been a hard week. It's been a tricky week. Tricky, 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 tricky week. Um, Was I ghosted? Hypothetically, a little bit little bit little bit I don't know what about me screams like get into a situation with this girl for months on end and say all these things and then ghost but you know each to their own I have to you know respect the journey of of people um it doesn't mean you won't be used as content you're a hundred percent being used as content because if you do this to me I have no outlet so um you all get to hear about it and that's that's where I'm at so while that actually hasn't been the hard part of my hard week um that is now a new contributing factor so yay for me um if anybody wants to set me up with their brother their friend, their brother's friend, their cousin, honestly, their father, as long as the father is single. Um, I'm down to like have older stepkids. I mean, why not? Um, what else? Grandfathers. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm not putting any boundaries on it because I feel like that's limiting myself. And at 29, I feel like let's not limit ourselves. Also, anywhere in the world works. Um, anywhere in the world is fine with me. I'm very good at long distance. Um, I, I, I actually have no standards apart from just like, you know, the nice ones. Like you have to be kind. You have to be capable of empathy. I can't date another sociopath. And um, you have to believe in, like I can't do someone who believes romance is dead because otherwise what's the freaking point of you? So anyway, that's where I'm at. Um, basically, I'm going to start dating myself again. And the last time I did that, I went to the Eras Tour movie by myself six times. So it was pretty expensive. Um, I'm not going to lie. Dating yourself is expensive. So that's the only downside. Otherwise, I would continue to do that. Okay. I've decided not to talk about anything I don't want to talk about. So yes, the first subject matter is going to be Robert Pattinson. Now, I was I this is again a pretty millennial episode I would say but here's the thing I was a Robert Pattinson stan back in the twilight days I'm gonna go on record I'm just gonna say it okay I really thought he was the bee's knees because he like didn't want to be famous but he was famous so it was very entertaining to watch and I just thought he was so cute in Twilight and moody and broody. And it just it was a vibe. Here's the thing. He is now engaged to like a model and singer called Suki Waterhouse, who's so stunning. They're having a baby. And he was just out hiking in a place where I've been hiking. So like I just saw these pictures of him out hiking today. And I was like, oh, I've been there so many times like. What if I ran into Robert Pattinson one day and we just became pals and I could just tell him all my thoughts? I don't think that's going to happen, though. But, you know, I like I like him and I like his fiance. They're a vibe. They're they're doing great. I hear I just struggle to now understand that Robert Pattinson is 37 years old because I remember watching him in Harry Potter at like, what was he, 16? So I don't know. I feel very 
I feel I feel it's making me feel old that he's older. I don't I don't know what to do with that information. Anyway, I just he he looks like he was a bit from the matrix while he was out on this hike. That's all I'm going to tell you. Like it, it wasn't his fashion has always been questionable to me since like 2018. So I don't know what he's doing, but he's engaged to a model. So like he and a singer. So like he's fine. He doesn't need to worry about it. And I'm sorry I had to talk about Robert Pattinson, but I just, I did. I was a big, like, I got into Twilight. I'll tell you this story. I watched Twilight, and I thought it was a horror film. (laughs) I'll never forget. I went with some friends. I couldn't remember who the friends were. I was in high school. I went to go see the Twilight movie in my hometown in Tasmania. And I'll never forget watching the movie and then my mom was working it was a Saturday and I walked down to go and because where I grew up is like it's it's technically the main city of Tasmania but like it's a town like it's not you literally if you're going into the shopping area you call it going into town like it's not it's not a metropolis you know like it's it's it is what it is so anyway I walked in to go and speak to my mother after the the movie had ended because I'd agreed to go help her at work and I walk in <laughs> to go see my mom and she was just like what what's wrong with you and I remember being so dazed and like scared like I I was just I was just scared from seeing this movie I was traumatized and I was like I, I just I saw the movie was just um, a lot. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, um, what that was about. Anyway, um, okay. I just remember being so dazed and confused and just out of it, just completely out of it. I, I don't know why. And Ever since I never, then I never read the books, never did anything. And then years later, I was probably 17, maybe 18. No, 17. I read all the books just randomly. I started with one. I made my mom take me back to the bookstore. I started another one. Maybe my mom take me back to the bookstore. She was like, okay, this is just buy them all. Like, this is ridiculous. So I read them all and I liked the books, but I didn't like the movies. I'll never forget that. Wasn't into the movies. I watched them all, but I, I liked the books. So anyway, that's just a little bit of a Robert Pattison. And I was obviously an Edward girly. Like, I feel like if you were a Jacob girly back then, like it was just like you had issues. Like you were just you weren't sure what you wanted. So anyway, I was an Edward girly. Now looking back, I'm like, honestly, they both sucked. Like, like they both. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, that's my Robert Pattison rant. And I hope you can all really enjoy that. Next, I want to talk about something that, like, I was actually going to talk about this the other day because I was like, I want to really want to watch the show. And then this popped up this morning when I was doing my my research, and I was like, oh, okay, so Sofia Vergara, Vergara, Vergara. I, I really want to pronounce it right, but I know I'm not, so I really I apologize. She is being taken to court by Griselda Blanco's family over her new show where she plays... Griselda and it's a Netflix show and I just watched her interview she did I think on Kimmel for it like it's coming out I was really excited to see it because it's about a Colombian 
like drug lord basically alleged drug lord I don't know if I don't I don't quite know the story I've never heard of this person before but I have through like the news of this right and basically Griselda's family I guess wants to halt its release of the show and like Sophia is named as a defendant in the lawsuit and this was obtained all of this was obtained by TMZ so this is all this all came from TMZ right so it's like take this what you will and her adult children so Griselda's adult children who represent her estate are suing her and Netflix over what they claim to be is the unauthorized use of their family's image and likeness in this series. And it's like, it's the story. Like, it's like these infamous, I know this is like an infamous story of this woman playing Griselda, who I I understand is no longer with us, back in her heyday when she was one of the most, like, insane drug lords in the world. So I, I don't know, like I deal a lot with like, especially when we do contracts in the entertainment industry, like I deal a lot with like, I sign over my likeness to a project or a production company or a commercial. And like, I know I have to do that. I don't know how that works when you're dealing with real life people and real life stories, I don't know how that works. I've I've never really been versed in it. So I do wonder if they have a case or if it's one of those things where it'll just be thrown out or settled like Netflix will just give them money to make them go away. I don't I don't know. I don't know how this works. But um her children are trying to vent uh, prevent it coming out next week and they ran to court and are asking the judge for an injunction to block its release. Here's my question though. It, you, it, I have known this movie was in the making, not movie, sorry. I've known the show was in, actually, is it a show? Yeah, it is. I have known the show was in the making for a while. Like, I remember when the Deadline article came out. So, if they've known this was in development for a long time, why are they trying to get an injunction now? Surely you would want an injunction to stop filming, I don't know what the the point of that is. I don't I don't know. That that confuses me. I do know that in the TMZ article it does say Griselda's son Michael claims he'd been doing interviews for years now with some guys who were trying to get his life story and that is and that including his mother's story on paper in the hopes of developing it into a production of some sort and he alleges that these interviews he did date back to 2009 all the way through to 2022. So honestly, if I had to guess, I would say the son is mad because he wanted the rights and the only rights. And he wants to, I'm I'm sure, be in control of the narrative of his mother and his family. Like that makes perfect sense. But anyway, so I wonder how this is going to go down. I mean, Netflix is a very powerful company. I'm sure this has happened before. Um, I do, this is a very powerful woman you're talking about. Like, I'm sure her legacy lives on today in a lot of ways that are still in existence. Um, and I'm sure it's not, I I don't know what's in this series. I think it's really going to depend on their, what this series focuses on and what it exposes and what it doesn't expose and what it, uh, yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I, for sure, I'm going to watch it. 
Um, I hope it comes out next week. If not, I hope they find a way to release it because I would like to see it. And I feel like this is one of the first. I don't know. I just feel like this is such a good role for Sophia. And unlike anything we've seen her do before. So I would be really excited to see this for many reasons. So anyway, I, I don't know. I hope it works out. I feel like there's a lot of inner workings in the reason they're trying to halt this and when they're trying to halt it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 paying attention. Don't worry, you guys. All that information came from TMZ. None of it came from me. And um, they're credited fully to that information. Okay, something we need to, to talk about. So Madonna did a show last month in New York, right? First of all, I didn't even know Madonna was touring. I don't know if she is touring, if this was a one-off. I didn't really look into that side of things. But I wonder how much, like, what level she is selling out. Because I really haven't seen much publicity for it, or at least it hasn't been marketed towards me, maybe. Anyway, um, but the story that's happening right now is Madonna fans are suing her, allegedly, over being late for more than two hours for a show last month in New York. First of all, if you have enough time to sue some, like, sue a pop star, like, Mad- sue Madonna for being two hours late. It's like she is an OG pop star. If she's not two hours late... It wasn't Madonna's fault. I'm sure there was a lot of other things at play. Here's what I will say. I think there are two types of live performers. I think there are the live performers who hand over the control to their creatives, their managers, their tour managers, you know, their stage managers and say, I will turn up when you tell me I'm on. And then I think there's the Taylor Swifts of the world who are involved in every tiny minuscule detail, planting evidence, planting Easter eggs, there for every second of rehearsal, there for, for every moment because they feel that if they're not, the end product isn't as great. And I feel like those are two ends of the spectrum. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying I think there's two different types of, of performer. There's the performer that will go on in a rainstorm as long as it's not a danger to her and the crew. And then there's the performer of like, if there's a storm and there's reason to delay and postpone, they'll delay and postpone. You know, all these major shows have insurance. So if like weather takes over, they, they're insured. The, these shows are insured. Yes, it creates a lot of problems. Rescheduling is a major expense. But like, insurance does exist for that reason you have to also understand then you know I I hate to bring it back to Taylor Swift but she was just on one of the biggest and still is about to be on one of the biggest tours I think of all time and you see her do rain shows all the time that many popular artists who artists who do live shows would not perform in so there is a comparison here. Like there are different types of artists. And again, I'm not saying one is better than the other. You know, some artists just can't perform like that. You also have to remember like her her show, Taylor's Eras Tua, is is not just Taylor. You have so many backup dances. You have a whole performance. You're watching a performance. You're not just watching like like a Billie Eilish where it's just her on the stage. It's her purely singing. You know, and there's a lot of artists like that, you know, and then there's there's their performances. Then there's the shows, which is your Taylor Swift. And don't get me wrong. Taylor Swift could go do exactly what Billie Eilish is doing and people would still go see it. I'm just saying these are two different types of of live performance. Right. Which 
with the backup Taylor has would would technically allow her to have an easier time doing harder weather shows because she has other people she can rely on during the performance. If she if there's a problem, if something comes up, people can buy her time. However, I will say like you then you have to account for the safety of your dancers, your singers, your band. So there's like a lot that goes into it. Right. Like Taylor had to postpone a show in Brazil because of the weather. She also had to postpone another show and I completely blinking where it was. But like she will postpone post. Wow, that's so hard to say. But she will postpone shows if it is not safe. But she will also perform in the rain. If it's safe, she'll perform. She'll do it. So anyway, Madonna allegedly was two hours late for this show. She goes on and so the show was meant to start at 830. But in each case, she did three nights. But in each case, it did not begin until 1030. And it ended around 1 a.m. People are basically claiming they, they would not have paid for these tickets if they knew it was going to end so late, which, to be fair, is valid in New York City because you have to I feel like you have to go out to Jersey to go to the arena there. I forget where it is. It's not in the city. You have to get out of the city to go to it. So you have to get if you're living in the city, you got to get back into the city at one in the morning on public transit. Yeah, nah. Good luck getting an Uber out there, too. So they are suing the promoter Live Nation and the venue Barclays Center for false advertising, negligent misrepresentation, and unfair and deceptive trade practices. So that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I feel like this doesn't really hold up. Like, I feel like when you agree to go to a live concert, there's too many examples of you understanding that it's subject to so many things that that if this went to court, like they could just bring up like all of these examples. Like, I just feel like this doesn't hold up, but again, I'm not an attorney and I don't, I don't know. And I don't know how these things work, but I'm just saying, this is interesting. Like to go this far over two hours, like you is interesting. It's interesting. This must not have, this must've been a very negative experience for these people who paid. Keep in mind, like, I know how much a Taylor Swift concert ticket can get up to. I don't know how much Madonna's were, but if you were paying, if you were paying a pretty penny to go see this, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Like, what if you had to leave early? What if you had to leave early because it started so late? And so you didn't see maybe half the concert. I, I understand. Like, especially if you tried to get a refund and they were like, no. Like, I kind of understand. I think this would be a situation where, like, I don't know who runs this, but the promoter is Live Nation. Like someone has to go, okay, you're entitled to a refund or something if X, Y, Z happens. You're entitled to, you got I feel like there's got to be some, impl- I feel like the one thing with purchasing tickets for anything is it's like non-refundable under no circumstances can you get a refund. So I feel like there has to be something implemented in the future, especially with everything that's happened with Ticketmaster and all that nonsense, there has to be a new thing implemented where we start getting, we can, we're able to get refunds if there are certain circumstances. There just has to be, because this is kind of out of control that people, fans are now suing 
artists or the centers or the the places where the concert is or the promoters like this is this is insane this is bananas but anyway that's the gist of what happened from what I can gather okay and obviously I have not read any court documents or anything like that so this is allegedly occurring from what I can gather online but yeah I I personally would not be ballsy enough to sue Madonna but pop off to those who are like I really (laughs) okay you guys I want to jump into the run from men for today before it's too late because this this case I so freaking sad it's so sad okay it's about the McStay family if you don't know this story I mean trigger a warning because it involves sad things about children Okay, so trigger warning. All right. So the McStay family ran a successful waterfall business in in like the suburban area of California. And there was a wife, Summer, their two sons, Gianni and Joey, and and Summer had a husband, right? And it was a very, like, very all-American, the the stories that everyone, anyone retells this or it's told in a documentary, it's very all-American vibes, right? Then in February of 2010, suddenly the entire family vanished, like completely disappeared off the face of the earth. There wasn't any sign of them or sound of them for nearly four years. Four years an entire family goes missing for four years. Can you? I can't even imagine this conspiracies or the ideas that people were coming up with at the time. This was until a off-road motorcyclist came upon two shallow graves in the Mojave Desert and ultimately discovered the bodies of this family, including their children. This led to more questions, obviously, and and. Since they discovered, like, this family didn't take off, they didn't disappear, there was no, like, you know, the family didn't have to go into hiding for something. Like, I'm sure the the conspiracies and theories their friends and family and the police came up with must have been so many things. Because when you're dealing with an entire family going missing and just, like, up and disappearing, you're talking about, you're talking about, there could be a, a lot of, what if they saw something? Like, you you just never know. And I'm sure there was a lot of hope held out for a long time that they were alive and well. But um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And then apparently there was a surprising number of suspects who had motive that just kind of, like, after their bodies were discovered, like, it just all kind of unraveled. Um, and there is, a if you want to watch a documentary about it, there is a documentary on investigation discovery. So ID, um, which I think is well done and does involve people from their lives. So like the families were consulted about this to my knowledge. So if you, you're interested in like really seeing how this unfolded, go go watch this. Because this, this case truly is quite bizarre in the disappearance. Basically, then the following year they arrested was his first name, Charles Merritt. And he worked with the husband at his business and he had a criminal record and then it also turned out that he had been taking money from the from the company and then the investigation continued and it came out that the last call 
that the husband made had been to Merritt, whose cell phone then pinged near a tower in the desert in the vicinity of the shallow graves. It's like, what were you doing out there in the Mojave Desert? Like, that's just way too much of a coincidence. Um, I do know that the prosecution was ruthless in this case. I've seen multiple clips from the from the trial. And the prosecutors told jurors Merritt killed the family after learning that the husband, Mr. McStay, was cutting him out. Like they had, I, I guess, essentially maybe figured out what this guy was doing with his business. And they said the victim told his friends Merritt was doing shady work and stealing money. This man was convicted in June of 2019. These people went missing in 2010. This family disappeared in 2010. So that means that if this guy did do it, and he was he was um, convicted and sentenced, he got the death penalty, which, okay, it's also crazy to me that people get the death penalty in the state of California because I thought we kind of nixed it, but I guess you can still get it. If anyone can clarify this for me, I'd be very interested on it. So like, do they enforce it or do they just leave you on death row, which is where you're just waiting and then it never comes to be and then it's easy to get off of death row and just get life in prison with without the possibility of parole? Like, how does this work? Someone should explain it to me because I don't quite understand it. So he was sentenced to death in January following 2019. So that would have been in January of 2020 then. But he's sitting on death row in San Quentin. So... I don't know how that works, but whatever. So anyway, that's the case of the McStay family. But the, I mean, the thing that gets me is like this family went missing in 2010. <laughs> and this man lived and existed for years out in the world. And did nothing. He didn't go to prison until 2019. He wasn't convicted until 2019. I don't know if he was out walking around since his arrest versus his conviction. Probably not. But. They didn't find the bodies until 2014. It just blows my mind that it's like you really don't know who's out there walking amongst us. And so whenever people are like, I don't background check people before before I go on dates, I'm like, so this would be a good example of why we should. Like, this is a, this is a prime example of why we look people up because it's like you just what there's still an off chance even after you look up look them up that they're still a crazy killer you don't know so please I beg you I beg you background check people look into people don't hire people in your home without thoroughly investigating them like don't just look into everyone it's 2024 do your due diligence do it you know, go off, do the dang thing. Um, it's important. I feel like it's a it's something we all have to just be aware of. <laughs> Please background check. Please background check. Anyway, I just thought this was such a sad case and just like such a prolonged period of time. Their poor family and friends. It's just it's it's so disturbing. But I thought it was important we talk about it and important to reiterate background check people before you meet them. Background check people when you start talking to a new person. Background check people if you bring them into your home, if they're new in your life. You don't, especially if you have kids, you know, it's like just look into everyone. It doesn't harm anyone to do it. 
and it could potentially save you. So why not? You know? Anyway, you guys, that's the episode for today. Um, sorry to end it on such a dull note, but like there's a reason this segment is called Run From Men. Like everyone start running. Anyway, love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'll be back Monday and I promise next week will be about a week. Again, let me just reiterate. If you have a brother, if you have a, I don't know, if you're old, like if your son has to be at least 30, I'm not going out with anyone who is below 30. Give me a break. All right. Their frontal lobe hasn't developed. Like I need, I need, come on. So my frontal lobe is barely developed and I'm 29. So like if you have, if you have, I don't know, a great grandfather, quite frankly, who would just like to go on vacation. Like, like, I don't know. Someone who's nice, not a sociopath, not a serial killer. And like, I don't know, can take a joke. The bar is low. The bar is there. Let's not get anything mixed up. The bar is there, but the bar is, is not low. Okay. The bar is low. The bar is low, but the bar is there. And I think it's important that the bar is there. Anyway, this is been, <laughs> if you get ghosted this weekend, <laughs> DM me. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I love you all. Thank you for listening. As always, don't do anything I wouldn't do. But you're fine because that gives you a lot of wiggle room. I love you. Have a good weekend. See you Monday. Bye, guys.